Hello and welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, as always, Sarah Travers, and throughout this series, I'll be speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth, and find out, crucially, how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Well, today I'm joined by Mairead Mackle, MBE and CEO and co-founder of Taris's Enterprises. Mairead, I have waited a long time to get you into the podcast studio. How are you today? Doing great, Sarah. Thank you for having me. So as always, Mairead, we'll talk in a minute, but a little bit of background, first of all, on Mairead and her business. Mairead is a multi-award winning entrepreneur who owns and operates a wide range of businesses across several industries, including care, support, housing solutions, renewables and construction all of which are under the umbrella of Taris's Enterprises. With a robust reputation and a proven track record spanning more than 25 years, the businesses within the Taris's Enterprises suite share the same core mission, vision and values. Strategically led by a multidisciplinary management team, the vision for Taris's Enterprises is to always think beyond business creating innovative solutions for the future that tackle real social issues, including homelessness, healthcare, housing and healthy ageing. Mairead, you are not long back from Buckingham Palace after receiving your MBE, so huge congratulations. And so I just want, first of all, if you can give our listeners a wee bit more information about yourself. Okay, Sarah, well, I'm delighted to be here and hopefully I'll be able to offer some sort of snippets of information that will be of benefit to somebody. So um, I'm a mother of seven wonderful children, as you know. Did you hear that, everybody? See, I didn't put that into the introduction, but yes, Maria is a mother of seven. And I suppose I would also identify as an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, uh, an innovator, an investor, because of the wide variety of businesses that I'm involved in. Um, I... My background is from, a f- I was uh, brought up in a farm in Fermanagh, and the middle child of eight. And my husband also is from a family of eight, so we have a massive family between us. So um, I think just for me personally, I love making every day count and love spending time with my family and friends. I do have a passion for, as you mentioned, business for good. And I'm really delighted and privileged to be in a position to, you know, use what I have got to like make an impact, I suppose, on the world through business. And to help others as well. You're always sharing advice. I mean, there's not an event I go to at the minute where you're not on the panel. Just to, uh, and, and people hang on your every word. But that's not a, a comfortable position for you. I mean, you're quite a modest person and you've achieved so, so much. What inspired you to start out in business? So a way back many years ago, I qualified as a podiatrist. So it all started with feet. <laughs> uh, and... Um, What happened was I had everything planned out, I suppose, in my life. I was going to um, get a job in the health service and work as a podiatrist, and that would be me set for life. But the problem is, when I went to do all the interviews, I couldn't get a job. So then I had to start, whether it was the interview skills were really poor, sir, I'm not so sure. (laughs) But uh, anyway, it forced me in a new direction as I talk about defining moments, and I decided then to set up my own business and I was fiercely independent back then as well I always wanted to make my own way in the world and but it wasn't something I'd ever thought about business but I was sort of forced into that position so I set up a podiatry practice in Armagh 
and find that I had one son back then and I find that it was really, really restrictive because I couldn't get out, you know, if I needed mm-hmm. to go to school, if I needed to, you know, do anything with, with him or whatever. So I decided to, it wasn't for me, the nine to five model wasn't for me. So I decided to look out and find something else that I could do. And I came across home care independent living at that stage. And that was sat really well with my values because it was a new service. That was a service that would we would be able to provide people the choice uh, from going into long-term care to be able to stay at home. So that really sat well with my values and yeah. I'm really passionate about it. And a few years later, then we uh, set up home care housing. I joined forces with my husband and uh, we set up home care housing. And another defining moment then, about 10 years ago, we decided to invest in renewable energy. So I think over the years, uh, we've, we took a look during lockdown at all the different businesses that were involved in and we realised, whether by accident or design, there was a common thread of social impact mm. throughout them all. So that's why we decided to pull them all together under the Taurus's umbrella in 2021. So it's all about creating innovative solutions for the future. I have to ask you, why did you choose the name Taurus's? Well, Taurus is, um, is uh, an unusual one. So again, we when we looked at everything we're involved in, we said, right, let's pick a name. And I wouldn't be very good at that. So my husband actually picked the name. We were heading off to a wedding in Donegal one day and said, let's bring all these different entities under one umbrella. And then he picked the name Taurus's and it was from a saint called St. Taurus's from the 7th century. Mm. And St. Taurus's was, um, he believed in peace and unity. He led a very strict and simple life and he spent a lot of his money and time on feeding and giving giving comfort to the poor and vulnerable. And then uh, his feast day was the 25th of February because that was the day me and my husband met many, many years ago. So it's got a little bit of romantic twist to it as well. And where did you meet? Where did we meet? Mm-hmm. Oh, we met, uh, I think it was Carrick Macross. Is that long ago? I can't remember. <laughs> but it was a love story that blossomed. A defining moment. Absolutely. And you're always evolving um, with what you do, but it's all about that social impact. Um, I can imagine that the last couple of years during the pandemic, if you're involved in offering care and the, the, the home care settings, that must have been a huge challenge because, you, you, I mean, t- talk talk to us now about the numbers that you actually employ. Within Taurus's Enterprises, we have a number of other organisations that fit within the different pillars. And they're like home care, independent living. We've got home care housing, home care support, Fabrico and Callan Renewables in Milford Estates. So there's a number of different organisations all fit under there and with a common theme of making a positive impact in society and business for good. Can you talk us through them all? Because we, we, we've I got the different indeed, names. Yeah. So what exa- exactly do they do on a day-to-day basis? Okay, so the home care independent living is it provides social care. So we provide about a million hours of care across North and Southern Ireland. We uh, In home care housing, we provide uh, housing services for people in housing crisis predominantly and uh, we provide thus about three and a half thousand beds we provide every single night oh my and then in um, a renewables division we provide uh, we provide produce our own green energy and we have built a biomass plant about 10 years ago and then we have plans then to build another one in the next year and that's really the we currently provide enough energy to um, power and heat about 500 homes and um in terms of regeneration as well, we have a keen interest in listed buildings and regenerating old buildings. So we have a number of buildings, including our, our head office, that um, 
is like about 100 years old and then we want to we're planning to regenerate it over the next year oh my gosh you never stop what's a typical day in the life for you <laughs> there's no such thing really as a typical day in our house because obviously with the kids and everything that's going on uh, it's very hard to say what's typical but I suppose what I'd like to my ideal day if it was all going according to plan is you know I get up about 6 30 it used to be 5 30 before I had the twins and then sleep's too important to me now so I push on to 6 30 <laughs> Uh, the kids get up then for 7.30 to go to school, the, the little ones. And then I like to go to the gym then two or three days a week then from nine o'clock, which is a real privilege as well with the flexibility to do that. And then other days when I can't get to the PT, I would go to maybe for a walk at lunchtime with my daughter. Um, and the rest of the time, really, it's about, you know, going in to the office, connecting with the team, meeting with the senior managers, you know, looking at all the different um, aspects of what we're involved in. And I work very strategically I mean I've learned that over the years I didn't do it at the start so I try to you know have a maximum of 10 hours a week that I'd work operationally and the rule is if I've done any more than 10 hours a week operationally then it's time to delegate or take on somebody new to you know build and grow so about two hours well I, I spend Friday with my mother my mother uh, lives in Fermanagh so I'm again in a privileged position that I can go and spend every Friday with her and then, so the other four days, then really, you know, I try and do about two hours a day on operational stuff. And then, but the rest of the time, you know yourself, Sarah, when you, like, when you're involved in a business, you're always sort of, you're thinking all the time, you're strategically thinking all the time, it's new ideas all the time. So the rest of, the, you know, my time, I would be spending on looking at new projects, looking at, you know, new ideas, innovative things, like the we're providing a new housing solution and we're developing that at the minute, like it's a new modular housing solution because there's obviously a housing crisis all around the country. So we're very excited about that and then we're building a new renewable energy plant as well. So we spend a good bit of time really strategically looking at that and what that's going to look like. It's getting the right people, isn't it, to run all of these areas of your business. How difficult is that? Well, I think it... it it's very difficult to get the right people, but what I have found is that you attract people who share your values and your purpose and your vision. I find now as well, people want to work for an organisation that has a bigger purpose. So that's something that we can offer people because of our, our purpose of business for good and social impact. Yeah, so it is just, it, it's developing leaders. Yeah, like my strength is developing leaders and the way I've done that is really like I believe that it's a leader's job to share the vision and then let your good people get on and create that reality. The people that I have in my leadership team are far better at doing the things that I am. And so I give them autonomy to develop their own sense, you know, their own style of leadership. And then in turn, I would mentor them then to try and develop leaders with it, you know, within their department. This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries, from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 3026 
I think as human beings, we're kind of programmed to maybe like people who are similar to us. But, you know, everybody has a different leadership style. Um, you, can, you can't turn people into clones of yourself. No, and I think, you know, when I look back in the early years, I felt I needed to control everything myself. But then that was a learning, a defining moment to say, no, I can't do that. And I, th- I think that you have to allow your leaders to develop their own way of leading. So within each of our departments, we would have like our our KPIs or OKRs, but it doesn't really matter how they get get there in terms of flexibility, in terms of what they do with their team. They just, you know, use their own style and build their own team their own way. So what do you find most challenging about being an entrepreneur? Well, I think... Um, being an op- entrepreneur, like every day you're facing is a challenge, but it's a challenge worth doing. To be an entrepreneur and then to, you know, build an organisation, I suppose the, the biggest challenge you have is that you feel really responsible for the people that you employ and the people that you care for. So that can be a challenge. But I like to, I've had lots of challenges over the years. I mean, say every day is a challenge, but I like to talk about defining moments instead of challenges mm. and reframe that and defining moments are times in your life when you've had to like step in a new direction and um like there's certain things certain defining moments that have re- that have shaped my organization and way back at the start you know when it was very chaotic for want of a better word i was pregnant with my second daughter when i started home care it grew really quickly um so like one of the defining moments I found was when I'd read a book called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber because even though I was very operational at that time, um, the book taught me that if a business isn't giving you more life, it's taking your life away. And if it doesn't give you more freedom, it's not a business at all. And then I realised I didn't really have a business at that stage and then that was a defining moment and helped me to like move in a new direction. And other defining moments for me were um, when I went to India in 2010 to study corporate social responsibility and I fell in love with the whole idea of business for good on that trip because I didn't even know that that was a thing and then I came back from that trip and set up the Taurus's foundation or the I Care Charity with with two organisations within that foundation now the I Care Charity which is about um, kindness without limits and then uh, Evolve which is about empowering women to be women of power so that was like a, a, a defining moment I suppose a personally challenging moment for me was when I had the twins so can we just paint the picture here you've got five children already you're expecting well there's a sixth pregnancy and then lovely news lovely news that uh, we were expecting twins and of oh. course I was afraid to tell anybody I was expecting twins because I said my mother said she'd leave the country if I had any more. I was afraid to tell the older ones as well. But anyway, it came to the time I had to tell them. And I'd taken on a new general manager. And um, I thought, well, I'm not going to tell him that I'm having twins until he accepts the job. And <laughs> he did accept the job. And I thought, well, this is fine. I'll have four months to train him up. And then if all else fails, then I have Caroline, my most trusted uh, right-hand woman. She can, you know, take over. And train him as well. But then she came in the following week and said she was expecting twins as well. <laughs> what is in the <laughs> Something water? Something in the water up there. Um, but, oh my um, gosh. I mean, we're laughing now, but at the time, Raid, what was that like? Well, it, it, I mean, it was an exciting time for us as a family, obviously. But w- what we didn't realise is then that the, the babies were born early at 30 weeks. Right. And then that was a challenge. Oh, goodness. And did you just go into labour? Yeah. So then I had to go into, the, the babies were neonatal and it was this really scary time. Oh. 
for everybody. So little boy and little girl. Little boy and little girl. Who what are now weights were they? They were three, three and three, twelve. And, but they've done really, really well. They're wee fighters and uh, they got out after four weeks and they're in P3 now. So they're laugh and play all day and keep us on crack. I suppose from a business point of view, it was quite a challenge because you're just out of the equation altogether. Yeah, you couldn't be there at all, could you? At that yeah. time. And then I realised really that, and it, it, I realised then, and it was like, realised again then during the, the pandemic that it was about the culture that we'd built up within the organisation. As I was saying, like, we attract people into our organisation that share our purpose. But it's really like at times like that when you can't be there that you really see that your team can really step up to the mark. Right. We have a culture within the organisation called One Team, One Dream. And then it's all about the bigger purpose. And I think that that has really like, stood us in good stead. And everybody just stepped up and got on and did an amazing job. Yeah, I want to just ask you a little bit more about that time during the pandemic because obviously the spotlight was absolutely shining on our most vulnerable um, older people, people who needed care. And this is what your organisation had to do. And at the start, you know, we had issues over PPE and protection. How stressful was that for your staff? And as you, you're responsible for all of these people. Well, really stressful at the start because everybody had to, you know, we had to get people to work from home. We provide about 6,000 calls every day. So you can imagine like the logistics of that and then we were really scared that we'd run out of PPE so we had to um, we got some containers in from China so that was something new for us as well to make sure that we had all the necessary equipment for our staff but it was really just about communication I think was the important thing and you know I'm still amazed that you know everybody just you know we, we didn't close our door for one day throughout that time you know we operate 365 days a year because people are depending on us and it still amazes me and inspires me, you know, every day to think, you know, what what they went through, what they did. And everybody, you know, was looked after. And do you feel you're stronger now as a result of what you've been through as an organisation? Yes, I do. I think that um, we all pulled together really well. And it was really about communication because so we were leading blindly. And as, commu- as information, new information come in, we just shared that we just set up extra communication channels and I was al- also really thankful that my daughter who is a like a, a trained doctor and she was working with me at that time and she was able to you know help to guide you know any of the you know PPE and all that sort of stuff so we got there and we managed and I'm very very proud of our team and everything that they've done over the last few years. You've recently been to Buckingham Palace to receive your MBE how big a moment was that for you? Uh, so it was a very exciting um, day. We, uh, I, me and my husband went. Uh, we met Prince William, who's very friendly and very down to earth and very engaging. Um, we had a lovely experience. All met all the people there who were there for all different reasons, and it was really about you know getting the family all together afterwards as well, and really celebrating the whole day. And met my sister in London and all, and her husband and kids, and we all had a brilliant day together. I mean, you spend every Friday with your mum. You've already talked about that. Um, how big a role model has she been to you in your life? Well, she's been a huge role model. And as I talk about, she's the first leader that we ever have been exposed to because she has serious leadership qualities. She's also a little feminist. So I think that inspired my dad was a feminist as well. We're very much into equality for the boys and the girls. And that was our first experience, really, of you know, equality, and they wanted us all to be educated, they wanted us all to do really well. Um, so, like, she has been a huge inspiring factor, I think, in all of our lives. But and the now, now she's continuing to, 
um, be an inspiration to the grandchildren. Talk to me a little bit more about uh, the I Care charity, which you founded in, in 2010. Can you tell us a little more about the, the work that you've been doing, the invaluable work? Well, I Care has really been set up. It's a registered charity. And what we did was we, because our mission in Tarsus is about community impact and societal impact, we decided to take that a step further and set up uh, Tarsus Foundation, which is funded entirely from the different businesses. And I Care is focused on acts of kindness. Our whole foundation has got two sort of main things. It's equality and kindness. So... Um, what we do is we just fundraise. Nobody gets paid out of eye care. We fundraise across our 14 operational regions and then we provide what we call an act of kindness to somebody within that region, a vulnerable person who's in need of maybe it's equipment, you know, medical equipment or whatever. So that's what that's all about. That's wonderful. And then also evolve uh, because that's a massive movement for you as well, helping other women. Um, coming up through female entrepreneurship or, in, or or doing anything but helping them in business. Why did you feel that was so important to set up? So Evolve It, we've set it up as a, an educational platform and also as a way to challenge say, cultures and things that are holding women back in business. Maybe like, the, for instance, like like the VC capital that you know, what female founders can get access to is only maybe between one and six percent across the island of Ireland. So there's things like that that we can maybe influence change. Uh, and and influence maybe societal change as well. Um, What goals personally are you still working towards achieving? You know, what do you want to do for you, Maraid Mackle? And then we'll look at the goals for the business. Well, I suppose as a mother, I mean, my goals in life really is to help to be there with my children. And I don't see the... I don't see the point of building a business if you can't have the flexibility to to be at home. I mean, so I'm I'm hugely excited to, you know, be there for them and, you know, help them on their own journeys, uh, whatever that may be. Um, In business, then, we're always looking to innovate. We're always looking for new ideas. You know, we have a new housing model being launched. We have a new renewable energy plant. Um, I say I'm very passionate about um, regeneration as well. So we have a number of really exciting listed buildings that we're planning to regenerate over the next few years as well. So there's lots of exciting projects in the pipeline and we're investing in different things like sustainable food uh, along with my husband we're so investing in a few new th- new ideas you never so stop the brain's ticking all the time and then it's no you know what about getting that investment what advice would you give to anybody listening to this now and you've talked about the the, the struggles that perhaps um, female entrepreneurs have in getting and securing investment you had quite an interesting story yeah well i started my business from home from the kitchen table just myself so I didn't need a lot of capital investment um, and so what I did was I, I, I needed £10,000 at the start to get going and I went and talked to a local bank manager who very kindly gave me the £10,000. Now I'm not sure if I had the business plan all I uh, savvy but um, that time there was more flexibility around that sort of stuff. It's probably increasingly difficult now to get any sort of capital funding um, especially if you're a woman starting a business, but it, it got me started and to get going. And how do you define success then, Maraid? What does success look like to you? To success to me is freedom to innovate and follow whatever investment or whatever you know dreams I want in terms of different businesses or whatever. And can you reveal any of those to us at the minute? Um, well, we have an old gate lodge. Um, we 
one of the projects is the it's the first house in Northern Ireland to have hydroelectricity. So it's an exciting project. So we're hoping to regenerate it. Um, it's like a 13 acre listed estate. I suppose our, our dream for it is really to have it as maybe the first like listed estate to be powered completely for by renewable sources. So that we're keeping well, in the pipeline. It's definitely not putting the feet up anyway. Um, what would you say has been your biggest aha moment? Um, when I got involved with Lift Ireland and I met a lovely lady, Joanne Hessian, and she introduced me to a US author called John Maxwell, who's a values-based leader, and he wrote the book called The 21 Laws of Irrefutable Leadership. So that whole thing really resonated with me. And one of the laws that he talks about is the law of the inner circle, and it's about building a close and trusted team around you for success, both in business and life. And I really believe that that was one of the things that I've done. I have a brilliant team at work, brilliant team at home. And uh, so that was definitely an aha moment. And um, then I suppose India as well. You know, going to India was another, you know, about using business for good. And I got introduced to that whole concept of corporate social responsibility. You've had an amazing uh, life and career to date. There's obviously plenty more to come. And what I love as well is you've brought out a book um, and it's actually recording the other voices of leadership. So it's Evolve Voices of Leadership, Female Leadership. Did you enjoy that project? Love that project because I really enjoy people and their stories. And it was a great opportunity for me to pull together some of the amazing and inspiring women I know from all over the world. And I asked them all then to just contribute to uh, a book that I had created on their voices of leadership. And it was really how they lead their teams, what their views are and things that they learned. So I thought it was, I really enjoyed reading all their different stories and put together. So it's called Voices of Leadership. We launched it in uh, November. That's right. At, at the Women in it's Business Conference. It's a great Conference. read. Yeah. It's a great read, yeah. And hopefully we'll do uh, you know some more of those yeah. um, over the years as well. It is invaluable. And that sharing, it's it's so powerful. That's why I love when women, you know, they get together and they and they, they feel free to discuss and ask and get help. And you love giving back. I suppose I've been involved I'm, uh, like in different things. Like I'm on the Board of Women in Business. I've went for a week with Vital Voices to Paris where they like help grassroots leaders all over the world. Um, female leaders to um, you know make an impact in their community so I would really enjoy hearing the impact they've made I've really enjoyed helping and supporting people to do you know the things that they do really well and uh, maybe it's the mother in me I think that uh, like those networks are really invaluable because you know we form like the likes of Vital Voices like we have a uh, you know a, a call every month and we help each other we share ideas and like I think women especially have maybe not had that traditionally so now in business when women can get together and really share ideas because we're all sort of dealing with the same things and uh, it's where you can help and support and mentor or do something for somebody else then you know you, you get it back tenfold. Maria, the purpose of this podcast is to inspire existing business owners and ambitious entrepreneurs to grow their business by offering insight into the success of businesses such as your fabulous Taris's Enterprises. What advice, final question, would you give to people who may have a business idea but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether the risk is worth taking? Okay, well, I think there's a number of things that I would, you know, consider important. And I think within a business, it's really important to um, have your culture right because culture eats strategy for breakfast. I think innovation is really important within an organisation as well because innovation keeps a business alive. If you're not growing, you're dying. Um, things like your, you know, your people power, like the 
you know, have the get the people around you who are bought into your purpose. And, you know, <clears throat> I think it's important as well that you never lose sight of, you know, what your own purpose is as a person. And you have to always stay true to yourself. I think, as I said earlier, there's been never been more, opportun- more opportunity for, for young people to get involved in business and that we encourage them to have the confidence to step out and take that risk. Because, as I always say as well, if you don't try, you fail by default. So get out there and do it. Um, then for more established businesses, I think it's important that you get the balance right. And it's not always easy to do. So somebody once said to me, don't be so busy making a living that you forget to make a life. I remember reading, actually, it was the average life is 900 months. And you spend 300 of them sleeping. So you have about 600 months in your life if you're lucky. So I think it's important that you you don't be so busy working that you forget to make a life. And I would always say, look, um, as my daughters keep saying to me, put it out there to the universe and you'll get all of the signs that you want and head in that direction. So we're all about that. Oh, my goodness. I have scribbled and scribbled and scribbled and scribbled and taken loads of notes and now wondering how many hours I've got left. But um, Maureen Mackle, thank you as always. A pleasure to have you in the Public Eye podcast studio today. I hope you've enjoyed tuning in, everybody. Uh, Maureen, just Google her. You will be seriously impressed. Join me again for another fantastic episode of the Public Eye podcast very soon. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.